You're listening to Collegiate Chaos. Here are your hosts, Matt Levine, Ben Dixon, and Sam Ostry. Welcome to this week's episode of Collegiate Chaos. I'm Ben Dixon alongside Matt Levine and Sam Ostry. We'll be covering everything from college basketball to college football today, December 10th. And uh, how we doing, boys? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you, Ben. Of course, of course. So uh, we'll start with the unfortunate Maryland result from last night. A 67-51 to Clemson win in Clemson. Uh, tough game for the Terps. Only shot 40% from the field. Had 15 turnovers. And the game was really never close. Uh, only had 15 points at halftime, which was tough to watch. Uh, not what we were used to seeing from the Terps. Uh, the first four games, obviously, Clemson was the first real legit team they played. But what were your guys' thoughts on this one? So, I mean, it was obviously an ugly performance. My biggest takeaway was the turnovers. I mean, you just can't turn the ball over as much as they did, and they've done that all season. I mean, this was the third game out of the five games they've played where they've had at least 15 turnovers. That was, it was okay against the matchups they were playing earlier. Clemson's a legit team, a good, scrappy defense. You can't turn the ball over like that. They won't be able to do it in a Big Ten play. And after the game, Turgeon, um, head coach Mark Turgeon, in his press conference, he, he was talking about how they were selfish, selfish offensively by everyone all around. They weren't um, moving the ball. They weren't reversing the ball, and you saw it. They were just standing around while one guy tried to make a play for himself. It wasn't good basketball offensively. Obviously, they had some open looks in the first half. They just couldn't knock down the three ball, which they had been really hot in the first uh, four games of the season. So, I mean, it was an ugly loss, and they obviously need to get better going forward. Yeah, ugly loss, I think, is an understatement here. Um, The only highlight I saw was Dante Scott. 30 minutes for him, 11 points, six boards, three blocks, a steal. And he shot three of four from beyond the arc, four or seven from the field. He was literally the only player on the floor that I trusted to do anything. And there was a time in the second half where I think he had like a 5-0 run himself. And Maryland was looking like they had some life in them, and Turgeon pulled him. And I'm not saying that's a bad coaching idea. You want to give your guy some rest so that he can play the last eight minutes of the game or whatever it is and give you an even bigger run then. But just the momentum in that game, whenever Maryland got it back, they either had it taken away because Clemson was making these crazy threes. They just dribbled down the floor and just pulled up from right at the top of the key and they were making pretty much everything. They couldn't miss. Um, But whenever Maryland was starting to come back a little bit, Clemson put them right back away and – Maryland shot itself in the foot. It really did. 15 points in the first half. You're never going to win a game like that. It doesn't matter how many points. Clemson Clemson could have struggled mightily in the second half, and Maryland wasn't going to win that game. They put them out. They put themselves out of it in the first half. Right. I mean, the game was over from pretty much the jump. And if you're Maryland, you're really not going to win many games when your your core three players of Daryl Morsell, Aaron Wiggins, and Eric Ayala go combined seven for 27, 20, not even 26% from the field. Um, you're not going to win many, if any, games where your three best players are shooting like that. Um, Dante Scott, like you said, Matt, the lone bright spot, but there really weren't many positive takeaways from that game. Another thing that I thought was frustrating was that the Terps went five for 11 from the free throw line. And I think it was uh, two for seven in the first half, something like that. Um, Really, really, really frustrating to see that. Um, Hopefully the Terps will capitalize on free throws in the future. Uh, The next game will be Monday, uh, the big 10 opener against Rutgers. uh, Another big test for the Terps. And real quick, you mentioned Wiggins. I mean, I, I think Wiggins just 
he needs to be better. He's their best, most talented player, I think. He's going to be a legit NBA prospect. I mean, he, he there needs to be some design plays for him. He needs to be in, in situations where he can score the ball, get, um, get the ball downhill driving. He's much better than what he's shown the last couple of games, and he needs to be the go-to guy and step up. He looks like he's lacking confidence, I think, mm-hmm. and that's the biggest thing for him. We saw him knock down a three, and he gets the ball back a couple of possessions later and takes a fadeaway three and knocks it down. So once he gets that first one out of the way, I think he has, it's it's got to be mental with him because his mechanics don't seem to be off. He's shot the ball the same way pretty much every year. And he just had a crazy decline since his freshman year when he shot 40% from three. Uh, but you said, Sam, this guy with an NBA body is a legit prospect. And obviously, if he performs the way he did last night the rest of the year, that's going to go away very quickly. But he has a special body, a special length, and he can shoot the ball well. He just needs to start making these shots and get some confidence in him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh I know there were there were rumors that he was potentially playing hurt, but two for ten from the field, not what you like to see from a guy who's supposed to be your best shooter. And uh, last thing on that game uh, for Clemson, they're a team like Maryland, defensive minded, and uh, they live by the three like uh, they did yesterday. They just did it a lot better than the Terps did yesterday. Hopefully, it's a wake up call for Maryland as they head into Monday's matchup with Rutgers. Uh, taking a look at the rest of the Big Ten ACC challenge, uh, despite. The conference getting swept on Wednesday. The Big Ten won the challenge 6-5, to five, including pretty much the premier games of the challenge. Obviously, Michigan State and Virginia got canceled. That would have been a great game between the uh, the Hauser brothers, a little reunion there. But uh, Tuesday night, some awesome performances in the Big Ten, including a 93-80 U- Iowa win against UNC. I don't even think Iowa touched the net that game. They were that good. And uh, an 83-68 Illinois dominant win in Cameron Indoor. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the Big Ten ACC Challenge? I thought the Big Ten, overall, despite last night's poor performance, put on a pretty good showing and uh, made their mark as the best conference in college, the deepest conference in college basketball yet again. Yeah, I think it's no question they're the best conference in college basketball, the deepest. I mean, they, on, I think, will definitely have the most tournament teams. In terms of this Iowa UNC game, I mean, I think UNC, I mean, they're my pick to win the ACC. They're a legit team, way better than the down year they got they had last year with Cole Anthony in and out of the lineup all season, but Iowa's really good. I mean, they're the favorites in the Big Ten for a reason. Luke Garza didn't even play that well, in, especially in the first half against UNC, and UNC made a late run, but Iowa just exploded the, exploded open. They shot the ball like crazy. I mean, they have an inside-out game like no one in this country. I mean, they're, when they're shooting the ball like that, they're right there with Gonzaga with the best team in the country. And you mentioned it, Sam. Garza struggled a little bit. I mean, he still scored 16, but for him, he's averaging upwards of 30 points per game. And he's, the last couple of games, has scored 30 points in the first half alone. Um, but I think the eruption of Jordan Bohannon, 8 of 17 from the field, 7 of 16 from three, that's not great, but he still hit seven threes. And this guy has the most games played in Division One currently right now for active players. A redshirt senior, missed last year with injury. But that's a guy that, that Iowa getting him back is really going to put them – into the national championship contender spot. And that's what they were missing last year because they're returning the four other starters, Garza, Wieskamp, Frederick, and McCaffrey. And you add in this guy who's just an absolute lights-out shooter, has been there the longest in the country, really. And he, they just have the best inside-out game in the country, I think. They really do. They have shooters all across the perimeter. 
They have guys who can drive to the basket. Wieskamp's a future pro. Reminds me a lot of Clay Thompson. I know Ben and I were talking about that earlier in the week. And Garza, we know what he is. He's the best player in the country, hands down. Uh, so I really think Iowa has a shot to win the national title. And they go in, I mean, they host UNC, winning by 13. They really dominated them. It wasn't close. Yeah, you talk about that inside-out game. I know we were all talking about that a couple of days ago. When they're on and they're shooting, it's the best inside-out game in the country. End of story. They went 17 for 40 from three. Uh, against UNC. Imagine 17 threes in a game. Incredible. 93 points. That's just an offensive explosion that you don't see that often in college hoops. Matt, you referenced Jordan Bohannon. I mean, that guy's just a winner. I remember his freshman year, he came into Maryland as an unknown player. And uh, that game was never even close. Maryland was favored. Uh, Bohannon lit the Terps up and really made a name for himself from that point on. And towards the end of the game, something funny, I saw a little bit of a veteran move was uh the Hawkeyes were going to take a shot clock violation. Bohannon handed the ball to C.J. Frederick right before the shot clock expired so he could get the turnover and not Bohannon. Just a classic <laughs> a classic uh, senior veteran move. And uh, like Matt said, I'm also all over Joey's camp as um, an NBA prospect, I think, uh, on the wing. His shooting, the athleticism he brings, he's, uh, he's a force to be reckoned with. Uh, that'll, that'll cover it for that game. Uh, we'll move on to the Illinois-Duke game. Uh, where Illinois, I mean, that game was really never even close for the second half. Illinois goes into Duke. They win 83-68. to And in Iodesumu, you're looking at one of the best players in the country, one of the premier players the Big Ten has to offer. And I was really impressed with Illinois coming back from that Baylor loss uh, where they, sh- they showed resilience. They go into Duke. They dominate them. They didn't just beat them. They ran, ran them out of the gym pretty much. Really impressed from what I saw from Illinois, and I'm really looking forward to see what them and Iowa have to do all season long. Yeah, Baylor's a suffocating defense, and they, they did bounce back in a big, big way against a struggling Duke team. We can talk about Duke in a little bit, but Illinois is another one of those teams with the inside-out game. I mean, Kofi down low is one of the most dominant presidents in all of college basketball. IU, um, Adam Miller can shoot the ball like crazy. Illinois is another team that's right there the top of the Big Ten with Iowa, again, as we said, one of the deep, deepest conferences ever, but definitely the deepest conference in college basketball this year. But just to talk about Duke for a little bit, I mean, they, they were obviously struggling to start the season, 2-2, two and two, 500. This was at Cameron Indoor. Obviously, there was no fans, so it makes a huge difference there. But they're really young, and the thing about Duke is they're usually young. Same thing with Kentucky this year. But th- with this offseason, they didn't have the time to be together, to develop as a team, they didn't have those preseason games. So this is acting, and they're playing great competition, but this is acting as sort of a preseason for Duke a little bit to get going, because that's what Coach K does with with these young teams. They always get better. So I'm not really concerned about them, but they always get better as the year goes on. But it it is a struggling Duke team. I mean, they've used, I think, eight players in four different starting lineups already. I mean, Coach K is trying to figure out his lineups. I'm not worried about them, but it's definitely a different Duke team than we're accustomed to. I think when talking about Illinois, they might be the deepest team in the conference, uh, maybe even more deep than Iowa. I think Iowa is a little bit better in the starting five, but when you're talking about more guys who can produce off the bench, I'm going with Illinois there. And Ben, you mentioned Iowa DeSomo, really just absolutely, he's turning up. And he did it last year. He did it as a freshman, too. He could have gone to the league as a freshman, stayed. He could have gone to the league after last year, and he stayed. And now I'm starting to think this guy's going to plan himself as a lottery pick. Almost how after freshman, after Jalen Smith's freshman year, he comes back, has just an absolute sensational year after that, and puts himself into the lottery. And I think Io is doing that this year. 
Uh, he's, he's, in my opinion, the best defending guard in the country. He can shoot the lights out of the ball. He's a leader. He's the most confident player on the court at all times. And he's a ferocious killer. Last year at Michigan, he put a buzzer beater in them and killed them. And Illinois really rolled after that. Um, and now they're one of the best teams in the country. They have national contender written all over them too. And when you have Georgie Bishanishvili coming off the bench, that just shows how deep you are. This guy started for them last year, tormented Maryland. I remember both those games. Just such a physical guy. He's always clapping in the other team's face. He's a chippy guy, but he does it the right way, and I like him a lot. And he he scores down low. He's a, he's a really versatile player for them, a big man. And I didn't even mention Kofi Coburn yet, the Big Ten Freshman of the Year last year. So and he might be one of the strongest players in the country. I think he's 7'1", 285 or whatever he is, just an absolute you body. Can't leave him at one-on-one coverage down there. <laughs> I think this this win was a huge statement, and I saw after that, I don't know if it was actually real that Coach K said this, but he said something about not playing the rest of the season. Yeah, he did say that. <laughs> I think he's just frustrated, though, yeah. to be honest with you. I agree with that, but I don't know how legit Duke and along with that Kentucky are this year after these couple losses early on, but they always seem to figure it out after that. But I think Iowa and Illinois winning these huge games against top ACC teams really show the talent and it also it also shows that age really makes a difference when a lot of players in the ACC are going to be freshmen and younger guys because they go to the draft sooner than guys in the Big Ten would especially at schools like Iowa and Illinois who are just getting to be powerhouse schools with older players Um, so maybe that experience and playing together for so many years already has something to do with why they dominate these ACC teams who have a lot of freshmen that don't really know how to play together yet. And that's why I think that you see these ACC teams lose games like this early on. Yeah, I mean, I think Duke, obviously not, I don't even think they're a top 25 caliber team right now. I think with Coach K, he's another one of those coaches where his teams will always get better. They're so young, uh, they'll probably end around uh, the top 10 team. Talking about Illinois and then again, Iowa, you were talking about the top tiers in the country. We say that Baylor and Gonzaga, or Gonzaga and Baylor, whatever way you want to put them, are the top two teams in the country. And then for me, at least, in that, in that t- second top tier, I think Illinois and Iowa are right there is probably the third and fourth best teams in the country right now. Illinois can kill you in a v- variety of ways. They had six guys in double figures last game. Uh, Trent Frazier, the lefty sniper, kills you from the corner. Uh, Benish really off the bench, like you said, Matt. And then uh, the two freshmen, Adam Miller and uh, Andre Corbello, the Puerto Rican um, they, they, can, they can kill you in a variety of ways, and uh, I'm really excited to see what Illinois can do as we get into Big Ten play. Uh, taking a look at some of the other results from the challenge, uh, some notable scores here. Penn State went into Virginia Tech, beat them by 20 points. Didn't think we'd see that. Uh, just a dominant win from them. Uh, Rutgers, a big 79-69 win over Syracuse. Ohio State held off Notre Dame 90-85. Um, and the other Big Ten win we didn't talk about, uh, Minnesota beating Boston College 85-80 to in uh, Minnesota. Some good wins for the Big Ten there. Um, you, you'd like to see Penn State with a huge road win against a team that people were thinking is top 15. Rutgers uh, continuing to win without Geo Baker. Just a, a lot to like from the Big Ten so far. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, number one, it was an awesome ACC Big Ten challenge, especially – on the Tuesday's game, some crazy comebacks. And we talk about Miami, Purdue, Ohio State was down 15 at one point in that game. Penn State, you, you talked about how surprising it was. Penn State was shocking to me. I, mean, I don't think they're very good this year. I think they're really at the bottom, if not 
the worst or second worst team in the entire Big Ten. So th this was shocking against what I thought was a good Virginia Tech team. I mean, Seth Lundy is a great point guard. Sam Sessions, a uh, transfer from Binghamton, was one of the top scorers in all of college basketball last year. He's been performing for Penn State this year. They fired Pat Chambers, like, kind of um, somewhat near, um, as the season neared. And they're still, they hired their inter, or they, I think their assistant is their interim now. And they're, they're playing, they're playing good basketball and they've been surprising. They've been in some close games and they've just blown out Virginia Tech. So Penn State surprised me this year. Yeah, I think when you lose a guy like Lamar Stevens, who was top 10 in scoring all time at Penn State, uh, he went to the draft, didn't get picked, signed with the, the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you also lose your center in Mike Watkins. So your top two scorers are gone. You really have no idea what to expect after that, especially when you're not bringing in crazy recruits like other Big Ten schools are. Um, but when you, when I talk about Penn State, I look at Marion Jones. 30 minutes played. He's the most minutes on the team, 14 points. He's going to be their go-to guy in the backcourt, as well as Miles Dredd, who comes off the bench. Uh, they both started last year, and I think they're really going to rely on those two guards as sort of a – Steph Curry, Clay Thompson duo, obviously not as talented whatsoever, but when you, when you rely on those guys, um, they're going to have to score a lot, they're going to have to play a lot of minutes, and they're going to have to defend a lot, and I'm honestly shocked uh, that they go and win by 20 at Virginia Tech. Nobody saw that coming. Um, Virginia Tech really couldn't shoot the ball at all, 27% from three, 37% from the field. They just were struggling on all cylinders, and Penn State might be a little bit better defending team than we thought. Yeah, I mean, very impressive. It's uh, all they, Philly guys. They should not Philly. Yeah, they, they should be undefeated if it wasn't for uh, the, the collapse in Seton Hall did, uh, this past weekend. But regardless, a good win there. Um, we'll move on from the Big Ten ACC Challenge to college football. The Terps will wrap up their regular season before their added game next week against the Big Ten West opponent. At home against Rutgers, uh, Rutgers two and five, uh, a little better this year, but still underwhelming. Uh, basement Big Ten team. Uh, that game will be on noon on Big Ten Network and WMUC Sports with Matt on the call. Uh, excited to be tuned into this one. Yeah, and um, Maryland favored by seven and a half. Uh, should begin the Terps win at home to uh, finish over five hundred before that uh, added game. What do you guys think of this one? I think. I mean, I think it's going to be a good test for the. For Maryland, they've obviously been very consistent. It's been a wild year, but I do think that it was a, if you can put it, a successful, successful year for the for Maryland. And I think against Rutgers, they're going to take care of this scrappy Rutgers team. And believe it or not, which absolutely no one thought you would say at the beginning of the year, that Maryland will finish over 500 in the regular season in the Big Ten, which is, um, which is really shocking right now. I mean, just based on the year it was. But I think I'm just going to look for Tulia to play well. I mean, last time we saw him was um, Indiana. Yeah, it was Indiana, and he was not very good. He was missing throws, overthrowing balls, poor red zone offense. So I think they're going to put up some points, have a big offensive day against Rutgers. Jake Funk's going to be back in the lineup on his senior day. I think they're going to give him the ball a lot, and I, I expect a win for Maryland. Now, when you look back at that Indiana game two weeks ago from Saturday, Maryland loses 27-11, but that was a game for pretty much three quarters, I would say. Uh, fourth quarter, it kind of fell apart. But they were Maryland was down 23 players in that game, and a lot of those were their better players. 
You had Nick Cross and Tarheeb Steele in the secondary gone. Ace Ely is gone. You had uh, Jake Funk, their best running back, out. You had Rakim Jarrett, five-star receiver, out. You had Jay Sean Jones, your second-best receiver, out. You had your your starting center, Johnny Jordan, out. Starting offensive lineman, Marcus Miner, out. Just so many guys that they utilized to make plays for them weren't on the field, and they still held Indiana in check for the most part until the end of that game when the score really ran up. But I think now getting all those guys back, um, Loxley said earlier this week on Tuesday that 80 to 90% of the guys who were affected by COVID are available to play this week. Um, So you're getting a ton of those guys back. That has to give some sort of excitement to this team, especially to Tillia at quarterback, um, to have more weapons and just be more in sync, I guess, because they really – I mean, they, they didn't practice for two weeks. They didn't play for three weeks. And it it showed kind of on the field when he was missing plays and missing throws and wide open guys. Just, they weren't on the same page. But I think now they have a chance to come back and have as full strength as they're going to get over, since pretty much the Penn State game, I guess, um, which was hard to believe over a month ago now. And... I think this is a really good chance for Maryland to go out on senior day, win, go above 500, and there's a really good shot they play Wisconsin next week, which would be a phenomenal matchup um, with Wisconsin being the favorite in the Big Ten West to start the year. They had COVID cancellations as well that kept them out of the Big Ten championship game, uh, and ultimately they couldn't even catch up because Northwestern was just too dominant and Iowa has been good as well. So Wisconsin, or yeah, excuse me, Wisconsin sits right now in third place, same record as Maryland, both two and two. Um, so I'm really excited to see if Maryland can beat Rutgers, which I do think they will. Historically, Maryland's much better than them in the matchup together. Um, just when you're talking playmakers, Maryland on the field just looks like they're going to dominate them. And if it's anything like, how Maryland came out firing against Penn State, I think this could be a really dominant win for the Terps. And this is only their second home game of the year. Their first home game was October 30th, and they haven't played at home since then. So they've been either canceled for COVID or traveling across the country. And both their COVID games, or both their COVID cancellations were home games. So they really have been through the ringer, to say the least. Uh, And I'm excited to see how they come out and perform. And just one more thing before I let you guys uh, give your input again. But uh, earlier when the Michigan game got canceled last Saturday, Loxley said at practice it kind of felt down a little bit. So he actually allowed them to play music. And he's never done that before after coaching at Alabama and learning from Nick Saban because they never did that. They went to three straight national titles. You, you guys know the deal. Can't whatever. argue with Saban. Can't argue with learning from Nick Saban. But – the team was down after their game against Michigan was canceled because of Michigan's COVID uh, issues. And he allowed them to play music and he was taking a microphone and commentating their practice as well. So a lot of these guys loved that. They gave them so much energy. He was making it competitive. He had a point system for everything that they did. And I think that likely gave them a lot of momentum going into this week to focus on Rutgers and come out in their last regular season game. Um, And a lot of these guys are young. They don't really... Maryland is a really young team. They don't really know. I mean, they know what's going on, but they're just going to come out short-term memory loss and just try to dominate. I think they really will. 
I think real quick, Ben, you can go. I, just think, I think Loxley said um, that Lil Baby was bumping him there, too. He did. And he, he said he said the reason why he doesn't play music at practice because he looks at the practice field as a classroom. And he made the joke that you wouldn't walk into a, a macroeconomics class and the economics teacher is playing Lil Baby. <laughs> so that, that was the joke he made. It, it was It was pretty funny. Definitely seems like a uh, fun practice, though. Get 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 the team morale back up after a tough loss against Indiana. Uh, looking forward to this weekend. Uh, I, I agree with you guys. I think Maryland uh, is a pretty good shot to win this one. I'm excited to see all our playmakers or most of our playmakers back. First and foremost, uh, Jake Funk, uh, Rakeem Jarrett. Let's get those guys back in the lineup ready to make some plays. Um, so if the Terps win that, uh, like you said, Matt, potential game against Wisconsin coming up and then uh, presumably will be in a bowl game since everyone's eligible. And uh, if they win the Rutgers game, they'll be sitting at 3-3, three three worst case. Uh, I was looking at the bowl projections, maybe the Music City Bowl, trip to Nashville potentially for the Terps. Um, the Pinstripe Bowl was an option before that got canceled. But we'll be interesting to see excited for this weekend. Sam, you got any last thoughts on this one? Or? No, I mean, I, I expect to see Maryland coming out with fire. It's been a couple weeks, and yeah. All right, so we'll move on to the big national games this weekend. Uh, before we start talking about the actual games, uh, we'll mention some notable cancellations, including Ohio State and Michigan canceled for the first time in, what, over 100 years before World War II? I think the um, last time they didn't play was 1917. Insanity. So <laughs> 103 years ago. Uh, absolutely crazy. Obviously, the game, I don't think it was going to be too competitive this year. Ohio State did need the, the game to uh, qualify for the Big Ten Championship before the conference changed the rule. So now it's going to be Ohio State, Northwestern, and the Big Ten Championship. Obviously, not too upset by that, but it's just like, uh, what is the Big Ten doing going back and forth, changing the rules? Well, I mean, M- money always wins. And, I but, think, that, yeah, you got you got to change that. Uh, no, I agree. I, 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 don't, I don't disagree, but... I also think part of me thinks in a, in a season where it's going to be like a, a quote-unquote Big Ten championship, a little less meaningless. Ohio State was going to get a sixth game against a ranked team regardless. I don't think the committee cared whether or not they were winning the Big Ten championship or not. I don't know about this year, but they always say, like, we're looking at conference champions. We're always yeah, looking at conference champions. I, it's obviously, it's a weird year, but I don't know. Yeah, def- definitely an interesting dynamic there. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with the move, but just... It's just like another chapter of the Big Ten season where they're they're changing rules every every single week. They really had no rules this season. Yeah, there are no rules at all. Definitely uh, an interesting job by the conference there. But that game got canceled, unfortunate. The Cincinnati-Tulsa game, another top 25 matchup, also got canceled. And Purdue and Indiana will not be playing. So a bunch and, of Big Ten Texas teams A&M out this weekend. Too. Yeah, A&M not playing this weekend. I wish we could see Ohio State and A&M just uh, meet up on, in a neutral site in I Indianapolis or somewhere and get on the field and play each other. But um, that won't be the case. That would be another, that would be another Big Ten rule change. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that's happening. Too many rule changes for one week. But uh, we'll move on to some of the games this week. Not a great slate, but we'll start with uh, an SEC matchup. Uh, the Missouri Tigers entering the top 25, sitting at number 25, playing host to the number nine Georgia Bulldogs at 6-2. and two, two losses at number nine, uh, ahead of some one-loss and no-loss teams. We'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, Georgia favored by 13. Um, I mean, I think I think they'll go out in this game with a bang. Um uh, not going to lose to Missouri uh, on the road. They'll finish seven and two after this week, uh, coming off a big forty-five to sixteen win against South Carolina two weeks ago. Um, should be an interesting game. The noon slate. It's worth mentioning that 
The noon slate in college football has been the best so far this year. The primetime slate has really disappointed. The best games have seemed to come in that noon window. But I like Georgia in this one. I think they just have too much talent, and they'll, they'll overwhelm Missouri on the road. Yeah, Georgia, um, I mean, this is kind of a big game for them. Obviously, at this point, they really don't have a shot to get into the college football playoff. But if they can prove, I think people think they've been a little disrespected by the committee because they are still one of the best teams in especially the ACC, but all of football is still a top-10 team. But they've really no shot to get into the college football playoff. But I think that if they can beat Missouri, a top-25 team as of now, that they can have a legit bowl game and maybe get one of those New Year's Day bowls, which would be important for their program and, all, all things considered, a, a good, successful season. And so I expect Georgia to come out. I mean, I think they'll win by at least two touchdowns. I don't really think Missouri's that good, even though they are ranked 25, three losses on the season. Um, so, yeah, I expect Georgia to come out fire it's what, in what's actually a pretty big game for them. Yeah, I think Georgia comes out firing as well. Um, I feel bad for them, honestly. They're always right outside of the college football playoff or they're the four seed, and they lose to Alabama or Clemson every year. It's the same thing every year, and it's it's got to be frustrating. But they recruit so well. They, they're always competing. They're always right there. Um, I'm just – can, I'm curious, when are they going to get over that hump? It's not going to be this year. They're not even going to make it this year. Yeah, but. They, they had their shot against Bama in the, in the national championship before Tua came in there and yeah. showed the country what he was really about. But uh, they'll, they'll be in a New Year's Six Bowl this year, bearing uh, some surprising losses. Yeah, for sure. Uh, good game in the SEC there. We'll move on to the game of the day in college football. Uh, in the ACC, number 17, North Carolina, 7-3. A little bit underwhelming after uh, cracking the top five earlier in the season. Uh, paying a visit to number 10, Miami, who sits there at 8-1, and 7-1 and one in the conference. They won't be in the ACC championship. That'll be Clemson and Notre Dame. Um, but I think Miami is a good team. I think you're going to see a really, really, really good quarterback matchup here between Sam Howell and D.R. King, two of the uh, premier quarterbacks the country really has to offer. Uh, King was in that Heisman discussion for a while, and uh, Howell is one of the best young quarterbacks in the nation. Both have been outstanding this year. Howell with over 3,100 yards, 26 touchdowns, and only six interceptions. De'Ara King over 2,300 yards, only, uh, 20 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. And as we know, King has a lot of yards on the ground as well. Uh, should be a good one. UNC coming off a 49-9 win against Western Carolina. Miami coming off a 48 to nothing, Just absolute obliteration of Duke on the road. Uh, Miami favored by three in this one. 3.30 on ABC should be the game of the day. Yeah, I think Miami's been disrespected all season. I mean, they're they're really good. De'Ara King's had a, a terrific year. Again, we said he's in the Heisman discussion. It's going to be really interesting. I guess we'll talk about that later, Who who's going to get this Heisman this year. But De'Ara King's been really good, one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and Miami's offense has been electric. They're 8-1, and one, and their one loss is to Clemson. I mean, you don't you don't really expect that win. I guess they're 10 here. This is a... Good matchup against North Carolina and Miami. Talk about New Year's Day Bowls. I definitely think Miami should get it, should get one of those bowls. They've been terrific all season. They need to take care of UNC this weekend. I think they will. And, yeah, so I'm excited for this one. Yeah, I, I feel for Miami as well, sitting right there, one game behind Clemson and Notre Dame at the top of that, who just joined the conference this year because of the weird year. Um, so Miami's getting a little bit of the, the backlash of that. Which, with how well they performed, number 10 in the country. Um, they played a lot of games close, but they dominated Duke 48 nothing last week. Uh, th their offense is, is spectacular at full strength. They really can score every which way. 
And I think De'Ara King, we keep talking about him, he's a special player. He can run, he can pass, um, just just a really good guy. He has 20 touchdowns, four interceptions, great ratio for him. Sam Howell of North Carolina has 26 touchdowns, six interce- interceptions. So virtually the same thing there um, for them. I think Miami comes out and wins this game at home, uh, but it, it's going to be a close one. And I think North Carolina is a really good team as well. Sam Howell is a pro. Um, De'Ara King could be as well with how well he's playing. And this is going to be the game of the week, as you said, Ben. But I just I just feel terrible for Miami that they're going to be right there and they're not going to make the ACC championship game. Yeah, I mean, you're in the ACC. you got to beat Clemson. It's just, it is what it is. It's coming up short year after year. But a big step for Miami this year, really. The U is back, back in the national discussion. The U is back. Uh, a great quarterback matchup and a great game there. Uh, the last game we'll talk about this week, as we said, not a great slate, but this is the marquee game in the Big Ten Conference this week. Wisconsin, only 2-2, two and two, going to Iowa City to take on the 16th-ranked Hawkeyes, who have been as hot as anyone in the country after starting 0-2. I remember our earlier podcast, we were, we were really down on Iowa for losing those two games. They come out, they win five in a row, just convincingly. 49-7 over Michigan State, 35-7 over Minnesota, 41-21 over Penn State, a close 26-20 win over Nebraska, and a 35-20 win over Illinois. So the margin of victory has been pretty big there for Iowa. 5-2, and two, looking to finish the season 6-2 and two at the starting 0-2 would be a remarkable finish for them into a season that started really disappointed. Excited to watch this one. Wisconsin favored by one. Uh like to see Sam's boy Grant Mertz out there put on a performance. Uh, if, if they win this game, like Matt said, they'll probably be facing Maryland uh, in that uh, Big Ten Champions Week, uh, whatever they want to call it. But a, a good game here. Uh, the spread indicates it should be close, over under 41.5. I think we could see a classic low-scoring Big Ten battle here. Yeah, I I was been slept on all season too. We're talking about these teams that are getting their respect. I mean, they're 16 now, but I was been really good. Their defense has been excellent, really. They're only allowing um, 17 points per game. They've kind of just taken care of business in the mid-level of the Big Ten, with Illinois, Nebraska, Penn State, you went through it, Ben. But they're taking care of business. They're playing who they're playing, and they've had seven games to only Wisconsin's four. And, yeah, you said my boy, Graham Mertz. I mean, it's been just a weird, weird year for everyone, but especially Wisconsin. They've only played four games, same number as Maryland, actually. But the last two games, they scored six points against Indiana, and seven points against Northwestern. They have gotten two really good defenses, especially Northwestern, but they've gotten nothing going offensively. They're usually a pound-heavy team. I love Graham Mertz, and I'm just – he was a true freshman, so we're going to get to see him play next year for Wisconsin, hopefully. Um, so I'm, I'm just excited to see next year for Wisconsin. I still have a lot of hope for this team moving forward. They're a young team. With this matchup, I think Wisconsin wins this one. But I don't know. It's going to be a good game. Iowa's defense can probably hold Wisconsin again. They just they just has have not been able to get anything going offensively in the last couple weeks. I mean, for Maryland's sake, I hope Wisconsin wins this game because if Maryland wins and Wisconsin wins, they'll play each other uh, in next week's game. If Wisconsin falls here and Minnesota wins, then Wisconsin and Minnesota would have the same record. I don't know what the tiebreaker would be, though. I, I think we would play, or Maryland would play Wisconsin just because they don't want repeat matchups throughout the season. There you go. Great. So, so we we'll, basically, see, we'll see about that. Then. So, yeah, that's out of our control. But, 
Uh, Sam, I'm sorry, but I, I, I'm not a big Graham Mertz guy anymore. Can't blame anyone. I'm hopping <laughs> off the bandwagon. I might have to. I, I, I don't know why Wisconsin doesn't go back to their starting quarterback from last year, Long Island legend Jack Cohn. Come on. This guy's healthy now. He's always on the sideline. He's always rooting for his guys. He's He was a great quarterback for them last year. I mean, obviously, Jonathan Taylor was there carrying the entire offense, but how do you not change something here when you put up seven and six back-to-back weeks? I think you got to go with something else, and you got to go with Jack Cohn, and Wisconsin might might do that this week. I'm very curious to see if he gets out there. I, real quick, just offend my guy. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I would say, like, it's just hard. Same thing with Tulia. Like, when you're just in and out every week, your offensive weapons, or you don't know if they're going to be there, then right before game time, but not playing. I mean, it's just hard to evaluate these guys. In, in totality because of the season that we've had. I mean, I just I hope he gets an opportunity next year, and I think it's the same thing with Tulia. They've shown flashes in the games they have played, and they really can, they're talented, and they can be, they can lead their offenses. But so, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just hard to evaluate these guys in this kind of game. That's a fair point, but Maryland doesn't have the the guy who's proven himself sitting right there on the bench. You know what I mean? That's true. I mean, yeah. So, it, I, I, right now, I wouldn't mind if they, I mean, I wouldn't, it wouldn't be the worst decision to bench yeah. Grammers, but I'm just saying moving forward, I still think no, yeah, he's, totally. he's the guy. He's the guy next year and the year after that. But I think when when Cohen goes down, loses his spot, you gotta you gotta give him a chance to I mean, at least win here uh, against Iowa. It's a tough team, but I, I, I would assume Graham Mertz gonna go out there first team and we'll see how he plays and see how it progresses. But I think Jack Cohen's gotta get a shot on the field this week. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. He was pretty good for them last year. Um, not really sure who I like in this one. I, I think I'm going to give the slight edge to Wisconsin. Uh, just just ride with the spread here. A little uh, favorite pick. But before we, uh, we move on to the rankings discussion, uh, knock on wood, I don't want to uh, jinx the game, but props to Iowa. They'll be uh, completing their eight-game schedule uh, in the Big Ten. You, you, wow, you know, so will Rutgers. So, Rutgers Iowa plays. and Rutgers. Uh, cancellations nice. everywhere, but uh, Iowa staying COVID-free and their opponents staying COVID-free, obviously. Yeah, a little bubble over there. Yeah, a combination of both, but uh, impressive job by them. Uh, we'll move on from the slate to the college football playoff rankings, uh, which a lot of people just were not happy about when they came out. Um you, you look at the rankings, there's a, to me, every time you see the rankings, there's a clear SEC and Big 12 bias for some reason. Um, not to nitpick, but a couple problems that I had is Iowa State at 8-2, and two, um, moving up two spots to seven after beating West Virginia 42-6. to six. But you look at their schedule, they lost to Louisiana Lafayette 31-14 to 14 at the beginning of the season, just an absolute blowout fashion. They lose to a Sun Belt team who is nine and one, and the committee is only ranking nineteenth. And you look at another Sun Belt team, Coastal Carolina, ten and zero, sitting at thirteen behind not one, not two, but three two loss teams. This whole playoff committee ranking isn't really making too much sense to me. I think they got the top four right for now, the top six right for now, but behind that, I mean, I think it's just a whole mishmash and uh, some big problems that the committee has here. And it's not—they're not meaningless either. These teams are going to have. Big opportunities to potentially play New Year's Six Bowls, bringing a lot of revenue for their schools. Um, I mean, I have a problem with the rankings, just to say the least. Yeah, the group, group five teams are getting a lot of love right now from everyone except the committee. I mean, people were coming to Coastal Carolina's defense after the huge 
um, win over BYU. Cincinnati, people think too low. They didn't understand why Iowa State jumped them. I mean, yeah, I agree. I agree with the top six for now. I think we the top six is going to get really murky in the next couple weeks as the championship week comes. Not this weekend, but the weekend after. But yeah, I mean, I'm not too upset about these rankings, but I do understand why these group five teams aren't getting love, and they really never do from the committee. I mean, I'm not going to go nitpick all these, but they're always so different than, or a, a little bit different than the AP poll, which I think is so interesting, is how the committee chooses all this stuff. There's definitely some bias in there. No question SEC. about that. But I'm so excited for that Florida-Alabama SEC title mm-hmm. game. What happens if Florida wins that? This is going to be crazy. It's going to be so crazy. And if Florida wins, there's no way they can't get into the playoff. Like, they have to be locked in. But oh, wow. then again, you, you think from from a perspective of looking at the whole entire season, Bama's been the best team in the country the whole entire season. If they lose that game in close fashion, there's there's no way they don't get it either. So it's, it's just going to be a whole really interesting thing. Notre Dame, Clemson are going to play each other in the title game. And Ohio State's just sitting there. They'll be 7-0 and if they win the Big Ten. Or 6-0 and if they win the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, Ohio State has the... Easiest path there. I'm interested if, let's say Alabama takes care of business at Florida and Notre Dame-Clemson, where they're going to play in the ACC championship. Is there a scenario where Clemson um, Clemson wins that game, but then Notre Dame still gets in? Because, I mean, if Alabama beats Florida, like, who's jumping? Even if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, they still would have beat them earlier in the year. They'll be a one-loss team. They've been dominant all year. Who's jumping them? Texas A&M? Probably not. Who's jumping Notre Dame if they lose to Clemson? Yeah, I think, I mean, what if Notre Dame wins again and Clemson has two losses? Clemson's no shot if Notre Dame wins. That, how do you not have Trevor Lawrence in the college football playoff, though? The number uh, one pick in the draft. The same I mean, they yeah, but they lost once without him. It's not there. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is crazy. This is too much. And teams. then the funniest thing about Pain. all this is Texas A&M is that first team outside at number five. Nah, they're a joke. And they don't even they're have a chance. Yeah, they they're a joke. Teams, they don't have a chance, and they're just sitting there at five. Might it, like... But I don't know. Name. Florida has a chance. Florida has a shot. I wish I wish we saw uh, Ohio State and Cincinnati play this weekend. Two teams an hour away from each other who aren't playing this weekend. That would have been awesome too. Because I mean, so so many hypotheticals. We won't right, get into here, that. Here's but. here's the situation. Alabama and Florida play. Florida wins. Florida jumps in there. The only way that Florida will jump in there is if Notre Dame beats Clemson and Clemson will fall out. Florida will take yeah. the four. And Ohio State would become the three. That's what I think. It's true. There's so much going on here. It's, it's crazy. But right? I still don't get how you, even if Clemson loses, how do you not have Clemson? Like, there's a case how? There's a case for all they're five the best of those team, teams. Like they could beat Alabama. How do you leave them out? There's, there's a case for every single one of those I, I teams. I do yeah. think Clemson is definitely going to win that game. We'll talk about yeah. that next week when we preview the conversation. <laughs> but I don't think Clemson's losing that game. At the end of the day, though, if, if Bama does beat Florida, I think, yeah, I mean, your playoff set. It'll be Bama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. But, but bearing, that's the thing, like, even if bearing, bearing Notre a, Dame loses, like, they're still in. Yeah. Because they only beat Clemson bearing, bearing, Trevor Lawrence that first time. If it's a close game, I think, I think both. Yeah, I think, I think recency bias, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, they would just swap two to three. Because right now Notre Dame is two, Clemson's three. So I think what if, what if hypothetically Clemson goes but, out and beats Notre Dame? And then not that it matters because they'd still play each other. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, that's the thing because I think Camille says they don't really care about this, but they don't want to see Notre Dame Clemson play for the third no, time this year. No. So maybe Ohio State, if they win that Big Ten championship, they jump to three. What if what if Clemson beats Notre Dame by like five touchdowns? <laughs> Bama beats Florida, and then A and M is just sitting there ready to slide up because Notre Dame. Yeah, there's, there's too much going on. And I, I'm, I'm a really joke. excited. A&M's a joke. The funniest thing, though, is that December 19th, where those conference championship games are going to take place, 
There's going to be other games that whole weekend, those Big Ten last regular season games and some mm-hmm. makeup games across the country. And the first bowl game of the season is going to be on the same day as all those conference championships. I've never seen anything like it. That's 2020 college football for you. Um, really, really interesting stuff there. Um, can't wait to talk more about the playoff as it gets closer and these games start figuring themselves out. Uh, before we close out this week's pod, uh, we'll get to our favorite segment, Locks of the Week. Um, he, we here at WMUC Sports do not advise you to take these picks. Uh, please listen responsibly. Uh, these are just for fun. But uh, Matt's all over this one. He's, he seems like he wants to go first. He's, he's hyping up the crowd that's uh, non-existent here. But uh, he's, he's, he's ready to pick. What, what do you got, Matt? My lock every week is the Florida Gators, 23 by half a point, 22 and a half. Um, they, they are just too good for me. I think Kyle Trask is, could be the Heisman. Yeah, and LSU for- LSU's terrible this year. Um, this is the offense of Florida. 42 points per game. They only allow 25. They have 502.9 yards per game. Their offense is too, too prolific. I think they're going to run up the score against the Tigers. You got, you got anything to say? Yeah, I do. Doing? My college football. I was looking for some college basketball. We should start throwing in here, too. But my college football lock of the week is Miami minus three against UNC. We talked about that game earlier. I just think Miami's been disrespected all year. I think they'll win by at least a field goal against a good UNC team, but they've been up and down all year. I think Miami takes care of business at home, and there will be some. There's been a decent amount of fans at those games, actually. Yeah, and uh, my lock, a game we did not talk about so far uh, this podcast, but it is America's game used to having the weekend by itself, but it'll be in the mix of a huge college football slate, 3 o'clock on CBS this Saturday. Army-Navy. Oh, wow. How did I talk about that? Yeah, but um, last year, Navy won 31-7. Army, the much better team this year, coming with a vengeance. I'm going Army minus 7 as my lock. Army was ranked early in the season, if you guys remember. Uh, that's a good that's a good football program over there. And the game is actually in West Point, New York, which is crazy. The game's always in Philadelphia, but uh, due to COVID restrictions, that game will be at Army. I like Army minus 7. That'll that's, be my lock. one game that could never get canceled. Yeah. Look, yeah, they Crazy. played played during World War II, played during the last pandemic. It's the one game that could never get canceled. Yep. Uh, we got we to gotta go 3-0 this week, boys. I mean, we're, we're due. We're very due. We're not really keeping track. Florida's yeah, every lock. week. Florida's my lock yeah, every yeah, week. Uh, I, our record might be terrible, by the way, if we go back and look at it. But um, that'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully, finals week. I know a lot of people got a lot of stuff going on. But uh, we're always here to bring you the chaos happening in collegiate sports. Uh, I'm Ben Dixon alongside Matt Levine and Sam Ostry. Uh, We'll see you guys soon.